Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Yeah, glad you're with us today on Cover Your Assets KC, the first part of a three-part series about the three things you must understand if you're retiring in the next three to five years. Should be very helpful information over the course of these next three episodes, so stay tuned. I'm Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors with an office in Overland Park, and you can find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. David, great to be with you today. Everything good in your world? Yeah, everything's great. Uh, So last weekend was 4th of July, and so we were down in Dallas, visited the grandsons, and had a hot but fantastic long weekend. Nice. Are you a big firework fan? You know, I am not a big firework fan. No, okay. (laughs) I think it... Are you? Uh, I like fireworks, yeah. I I like going to see them, but it's so blasted hot in Dallas Mm. over the 4th of July. The last thing you want to do is be standing over a hot flame. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a... I hope my mother isn't listening to this podcast, but I had a little incident as a Uh young adult with a firework that went off in my hand right next to my ear. I still have my hand, and I still have my hearing, but it just made me think, you know, that's not really all that fun. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of the firework. I'm more afraid of the match. Uh, <laughs> similar to you, I had an incident with a match when I was younger, and it was the striking of the match. One of the sparks landed on my eyeball oh my. And, and like burned slash scratched my cornea. And Ooh. man, that was some bad pain for about two days. I could barely open or close my eye without excruciating pain. It was no fun. No fun at all. The fireworks, I've never, I don't think, injured myself with one, knock on wood. But uh, <laughs> uh, my grandfather has told me a story of how he had a firecracker accidentally go down his shirt and got caught oh, no way. under his shirt up against his chest. And the firecracker just started going off all in his chest left burn marks and burned all the hair off of his chest and burned a hole through his shirt. And (laughs) (laughs) he he tells it like it's a funny story now, but it sounded like it was pretty traumatic back then. (laughs) I would think so. And how do you explain that? I mean, hopefully he wasn't, it'd be harder to explain to your wife than it would be to your mother. So hopefully he was not married at the time. Right. How did it land there? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want to know. How did the physics get involved where it, it landed in his shirt? I don't understand that part. But in any event, I think uh, the years have eroded a little bit of, uh, of, of what that true memory may be, how it, how it happened. The how has been lost a little bit. We just know the end result. But, well, I'm glad you had a good time. Hope everybody had a great 4th of July and got to celebrate Independence Day in somewhat style, maybe with some fireworks or at least good food and family and friends around. Uh, let's get to it, David. Uh, the three to five years away... Three things you must understand if that's how far you are away from retirement. Let's talk about what we're going over here in part one. And then also, I'm just curious, why the three to five years? Why are we putting that sort of umbrella on these next three episodes? Yeah, so a lot of the people that I see are late 50s, early 60s. And frankly, what I've told my my daughters, my nephews, a lot of young people that I know is work on your career save at least 10% of what you make, keep it in stocks, and don't worry about it because you're young and you have a long way to go. But when you get to be 50s, early 50s, mid 50s, and especially late 50s, 
all of a sudden having a strategy to protect that money and to know, do I have enough to get me through my last days and my spouse, if you have one, and if you have, you know, dreams of leaving a bunch of money to kids or universities or etc. And when is an okay time for me to step away from work? So those are all the things that really start cooking in somebody's brain kind of when they get to 55 or 58 or 60. So at that point, that's when people seek people like me out, typically, uh, because they have real questions about real money matters that are going to matter to them. So that's that's what we're going to talk about in this three-part series. The first one happens to be on taxes and retirement. And a lot of people that I talk to have not thought through the implications of how their tax bill is going to impact their retirement. So that's what we want to talk about today. All right. Taxes in retirement. I knew taxes would be one of the three <laughs> parts. And, and you just you just wanted to go right into it. So I love it. So we're going to hit the, hit the ground running. So I've identified three and, and then just the two kind of throwaways at the end. But uh, the first one that I want to talk about is, and uh, there's a lot of people that I talk to that don't understand this, but your Social Security is very likely to be taxed. And most people say, well, Dave, that was a tax when I was working. They're going to tax the benefit I get once I start receiving it. And the answer is, if you make more than not very much money in retirement. Yes, they are. So here's how it's going to work for you. The IRS has this little subledger when you do your taxes, and it's called a provisional income calculation. And what they do is they add up all, let's say you still work in retirement. So they're going to add up your salary, all your dividends, all your interest income, all of your tax-free interest income, all your distributions from your IRA in that year, any rental income you have, etc., plus one half of your and your spouse's Social Security income. And if all that added together, if you're single, if all that added together is more than 25 grand or 32 grand if you're married, then your Social Security is taxable. And if that, all of that money totals more than 34 grand if you're single and 44 grand if you're married, then it becomes the most highly taxable it can be. In other words, 85% of your Social Security income will be taxed as just like a paycheck. So whatever your highest marginal tax bracket is, that's the tax rate you'll pay on your Social Security income. Okay. A new Social Security would uh, come into the equation as part of this, but not all going to be about Social Security, right? It is not. Pre-1983, Social Security was not taxable. And so uh, it was it was a tax-free income. But after that, there was one of the changes that they made. And going forward, we should expect that there are going to be changes to Social Security going forward. And at some point, instead of 85% of it being taxable, we've got, I have to believe that 100% of it will be taxable, uh, especially for those who have done a nice job of saving for themselves and uh, have, you know, fairly big 401ks and maybe a pension involved. So you should expect that sometime in your retirement, 100% of your Social Security will end up being taxable. So the second one, I just had two of these in the last month where uh, a retiring person had the choice between a pension lump sum or just taking the monthly payments. And so that's a question that has tax implications 
that you will want to um, understand. It has other implications as well, but it'll certainly have tax implications. So before you sign that piece of paper and make that irrevocable decision, you want to have thought through these types of things. For instance, if you know that you're going to need that money to live on, in other words, you don't have a big 401k, you don't have a big IRA, or you just like the security of having a nice check coming in every month as long as you live, then it might be best to just take that monthly pension income and forget about it. But if you're going to have more than enough assets to get you and your spouse through to retirement, you should consider a lump sum rollover. And that's, I've never seen a a pension plan that didn't include a lump sum rollover. And basically that lump sum is the present value of the amount of money that it will take to provide the monthly cash flow that they're promising you up to your life expectancy. And they'll just give that to you. And what you would do is, so that it's not a taxable event, you would just roll that money over directly into your IRA. So it's still tax deferred. It becomes a family asset. So with your pension, let's just say worst case, you start your pension, you and your spouse are out on a terrific vacation, and something super bad happens and neither of you make it. Well, that pension money that you're getting every month, well, that goes away. But if you rolled it out into a lump As someone sum, getting ready to go on vacation here soon, David, that was just, <laughs> you just painted like a bleak picture. Like, hey, you're going out on vacation and you don't make it back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Walter. I, I, I said that as nicely as I could. You did, and it's it was, a, but it was like too it, nice. It was <laughs> and that's something that rarely happens. But if it happens to you, then it's not so good. And so, again, back to the premise, if you don't need the money, if that's not a major part of your income plan in retirement, then you ought to think about rolling it over because it becomes a family asset. It's available for inheritance where your pension is not. It's also available if you want to take the money out lumpy. So for instance, you're 65, you retire, you take your monthly pension. Well, that comes to you every month for the rest of your life, whether you need it, want it, etc. But if you roll the money over, take a lump sum payout and roll the money over, then you decide, well, I'd like to take out 20 grand this year, nothing next year, and 50 grand the year after. Or you might set it up, I want three grand a month. And a year from now, you might decide, I I only need two grand a month. So it gives you significant income flexibility by having rolled that out. It will be subject to required minimum distributions when you're 72. So that's a consideration. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, you'd, you absolutely want to think through that. If you're working with an advisor, you'd want to ask that question. Well, what is that going to mean to my required distributions when I turn 72? One of the things I like best about this, Walter, and you know that I, we've done a bunch of podcasts, or it comes up in a lot of podcasts about Roth conversions. But rolling it over into a lump sum, into an IRA, In those years before you turn 72 and are required to start taking money out, it gives you an opportunity to roll out some of that money into a Roth, pay the taxes now, but have a tax-free asset either for somebody to inherit or for you to spend in a year sometime in the future where you don't want to take money out of an IRA because that's taxable. You want to have it out of a uh, tax free account. 
Those Roth conversions aren't for everybody, but it does give you the opportunity if you do a lump sum rollover to do that. So we've talked about Social Security. It's going to be, it's for anybody that's done pretty well, reasonably well for themselves, that's going to be taxable. You have tax implications to whether you do a pension lump sum rollover or take the monthly amount. And that's a, a tax related question that you want to probably get some good advice on before you retire. So that's the first two. All right. Uh, two down, another one to come. Two down, the next, the other one to go, which I've never actually seen this in print, but I call it a widow's tax. Now it can also be a widower's tax. It is not gender-based, uh, but widow's tax is easier to, to say. So it's rarely discussed, but it's really important to understand. And I've got an example that I hope will help us visualize what I'm talking about. So we have a married couple. They just turned 80, and they are married. They're married filing joint on their taxes. And Social Security income this year, he, as the primary breadwinner over the years, gets three grand a month. Well, as the, as the spouse, she gets 1500 a month. So that is 36000 a year for him and 18000 a year for her. They have a million-dollar IRA, and since they're 80, they're, re, they're subject to required minimum distributions. Well, that RMD as an 80-year-old, is $54,000 that the IRS is going to make them take out that year and be taxable. And then they have some bank interest, some CDs, etc., and that's three grand. So add all of that up, and that's $111,000 a year. Take away their standard deduction, which at that, at that time is, let's call it 30 grand. So that's 81,000 of taxable income, married filing joint. They're in the 12% tax bracket. Stick that in your memory bank. They're in the 12% tax bracket. Okay. Late that year, one of them dies. Doesn't matter which one, but one of them dies. So on next year's tax return, one of the social securities, the smaller one, goes away. So they only have 36,000. But their million-dollar IRA, which grew a little bit, and so it's still a million-dollar IRA, instead of having to take out 54000 they have to take out 56000 this year. They still have bank interest of three grand. So now, instead of 111000 of income that they had last year, they have 95000 of income. Less income, about 16000 less income. But their standard deduction now, this person is filing single instead of married, filing joint. Instead of a standard deduction of 30000 it's only going to be 16000 which makes their taxable income $79,000 as a single person. Uh, the year before, with a lot higher number, 16000 more of income, they had taxable income of 81000 This year, it's 79000 So while their income is significantly down, their taxable income is almost the same. And to make matters worse, as a single, their tax bracket isn't the 12% tax bracket anymore. It's the 22% tax bracket. So the reason I call it the widow's tax is nobody really thinks about the, the money that they're going to have once one of them leaves us. Uh, but their tax bracket is almost certain to go up, maybe by a bunch, and it just kind of adds insult to injury to being on your own, suddenly single, and you get a lot higher tax bill. So that is another reason why it's the second time I'm going to mention this <laughs> phrase. 
But a Roth conversion can make a lot of sense because once you're widowed, your tax bracket is going to be higher. And so there are opportunities to do things about that before the time arrives. But once the time has arrived, you're pretty much stuck with what you have. So it's really those years between 65 and 72 when some sort of tax reduction strategy for the future, including a Roth conversion, might make sense for a lot of especially married couples. Yeah, let's go. R-O-T-H. Rock, rock, rock. Seemed like you were really wanting that to play in this episode. <laughs> the crowd loves those Roth conversions, Walter. <laughs> they, 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 they didn't jump at it the first time, but they waited for that second mention, and they, they had to jump in. So. I love so, it. So, you know, those were the things that really stuck out to me that, that – you absolutely need to either, if you're do-it-yourself or you need to think through those topics. If you're working with an advisor, you want to make sure that that's getting worked into your plan. You may decide to do nothing about any or all of those, but you want to have it part of the discussion because you, want, you don't want to be surprised when you don't have any options left. So things to remember are that your required distributions when you turn 72 are very likely to bump you into a higher tax bracket. And at that point, the IRS has you exactly where they want you uh, with those distributions that you may not need, but you have to take. And then one other kind of twisty thing uh, with retirement taxes is that Medicare, you pay for Medicare, uh, but if you have too high of an income, whatever the IRS decides, is, whatever Congress has decided is too high of an income, you'll pay a Medicare premium over and above your normal Medicare monthly amount. And that is determined by how much other income you have. So there are a lot of crosswinds blowing when you're retired and you think you've pretty much got it figured out. Those are all topics that you want to have a good discussion about and a good understanding about before you get to retirement. Some great tips for our first uh, part one discussion about the things to think about and the three things you must understand about retiring in the next three to five years. Again, taxes in retirement, our full recap here of part one. In part two, we'll be discussing estate planning in pre-retirement. And then in part three, we'll be covering knowing how long your money will last. So a little preview for you of part two and three still to come in this series. David, thanks for covering all the ins and outs on taxes for us, and we'll look forward to part two with you next week. Yeah, I'm excited about uh, the estate planning. It doesn't draw probably enough attention, especially (laughs) at that stage of life. So I think we'll have some really good um, tips and ideas like, do I need a trust? So we're going to cover a a fairly broad waterfront and hopefully really helpful for our listeners. One of those things where you can be way ahead of the game if you are planning ahead and starting to think about estate planning at this stage of your life, that three to five years from retirement. So make sure you are listening into that next episode, and we'll see you again next time right back here on the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. In the meantime, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to David at 913-317-1414 or online at coveryourassetskc.com. And just check the description or show notes section of today's program for relevant links and information. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. 
investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other.